What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tonwald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, their family, their career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Ron Vento of Night Sky Studios in Waldorf, Maryland. Ron has been a staple in the music community around here for as long as I remember. We talk about his own music with his metal band, Aurora Borealis, which I think that I pronounced right. We'll find out. The history of the studio and his approach to recording. One of the cool things that we talk about is his fearless desire to learn. He's always looking for that next thing, willing to take feedback from anyone, whether it's an artist, whether it's another recording engineer, and knows how important it is to embrace the more digital world and evolve his own craft. I had a lot of fun with this one and really enjoyed seeing his studio for the first time despite being in the area this long. Uh, seeing all the records on the wall he has touched over the years was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, we did lose some audio and had to go back and re-record some of the conversation, but it still turned out great. You'll hear us like reference some of the stuff that we talked about before, but we cover pretty much everything already, so we're good. I'm really happy with it and hope you guys enjoy. Ron is currently looking for a female vocalist for his pop project Echo One. I'll have links to the studio and all the social medias in the show notes. If you're looking to work on another project with some great people, make sure you hit them up. Thank you for everyone who has checked out the show so far. I really appreciate it. As always, make sure to rate and review on iTunes. I'm off to see glass. You guys enjoy the show. And next time, I'll let you know how bad it was. Enjoy. So one of the things that we were talking about is treating music as a business rather than just a passion or a right, hobby. Right, right, When did you learn that that's something that you need to do? And then do you talk to the people that come into your studio that, hey, you know, I want to make sure that you're taken care of, not taken advantage of, the whole nine in there? Well, everybody's under the misconception that they're just going to make a record and then they're going to get signed and things like that. So, you know, a lot of pins will come in here and they'll say, hey, what do I do now? And that's not really my job to tell you what to do after <laughs> I make the recording. So, you know, we'll make a nice recording and I'll try to guide them a little bit mm-hmm. and, and say, hey, this is probably your next step. You should try to do this. You should try to do this. Maybe market it this way or that way. But <clears throat> I try not to get wrapped up into that too much because them bands are always looking to you for, for something after the fact, you know. And hell, man, if I if I knew how to market the best, I'd be a millionaire just from me. <laughs> music at this point you right. know i mean I, I do what i do and i've got my albums out and i make money off of it so at this point i feel like i'm successful at that but <clears throat> let's face it if i was if i was great at it i wouldn't i probably wouldn't even be in a studio i'd be touring the world well probably not because i don't like playing shows <laughs> but but you know what i mean it's just one of those things like it, it's all a business and it has to be treated as such you know you can't make your album and just leave the studio and forget about everything else that's i'd say the, the studio is like the one third of what you actually need to do you know right. the other two thirds being you got to go out there and build a following and play shows and do touring and then third you got to market yourself constantly market yourself whether it's like on social media like most people are doing now or in the clubs or in the streets or talking to people are talking to managers hiring someone to help you you know it's all money you got to sink money into your business it's if you don't believe in yourself no one else is going to believe in you you know you know we you just mentioned once once you hit that three four seven year mark if you're still doing it and possibly starting to make money or at least making even you're 
you're golden. Like yeah, this, yeah, that's absolutely, fine. absolutely. And a lot of bands don't treat themselves as businesses, like you said. You know, they just go play shows this or the other. But you know, the first thing you should do is you should go out there and you should set up a trading as account, setting up a band account. You know, because then you can actually write off everything that you spent money on. You know, you don't have to pay taxes on any of that money. Write it off. These bands think that you know we just dropped two, three grand in a studio. Well, you, guess what? If you were a trading as account or if you were you know your own little business, you could write all of that off. You know, and then the government's going to allow you to lose money on your business for what is it like up to seven years like you said you know so at that point it's like you know why not treat it as a real business you know yeah i think that's uh, a lesson that no one really has learned because when you look i've i've dealt with a couple bands that that have that maturity level that treat it like Mm -hmm. this is this is what i'm doing for a living right and I've also had those same people that I I like basement shows and this is my whole my whole jam. Yeah, and that's cool too. If that if you know, but like you said, you got to know that you're not gonna ever make a yeah. living off of it. It's like a hobby at that point. And we know like not there's nothing wrong with having a hobby in music. That's pheno- that's a phenomenal hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. But don't be disillusioned. Don't think you're getting that record deal tomorrow. As we said, you know, you can't you can't play for two hours a week and 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 expect to be a professional. You just can't do it. You got to play every day, all day, and treat it as such. Treat it like you're that college basketball player coming up that has to put in you know eight hours a day on the court to become a professional because that's the only way he's going to become a professional, and that's the only way a band is going to become yeah, a professional. Yeah, or that MMA fighter that's in the gym. That's right. Two or three times a yeah, day. That's right. Doing two a days nonstop, and then he's he's not only in the MMA gym, he's in the weightlifting gym. He's getting his power up. I mean, these guys treat it like from sun up to sun down. They're, they're treating it for real because everything in this world is so competitive, so right. competitive. Even the studio world here, you know, we're talking about a studio or whatever. I get these kids that come in here and want to be interns and stuff like that. And they're, you have any experience? No. Do you have any of this? No. Well, that's fine. You know, you can be an intern with no experience. However, guess what? There's 20 other kids that have experience because they've been putting in work long before you ever decided they've to be an intern. They've had their home studios kind of right. like what they've, you had They've before, went to right? home studio. They went to full sales. They've been studying. They've been constantly making albums. I get a lot of people that come in here and they say, hey, I just want to be the intern. I just want to sit around and watch sessions. What the what does that do me? <laughs> I don't want to just sit around and watch sessions. I need you to know something, you know, and I can train you. That's not a problem. Yeah. If you're a good guy or, you know, and you, you have a, you're, you're smart and you got a good brain and you can be trained really quickly, that's one thing. And I've, I've had many interns who haven't had no experience, you know, but I can tell you what, some of them come in and they, some of these kids are showing me some tricks. Right. And I'm like, you're an intern, you're showing me some tricks. And that's the level you have to be at because those kids are the ones that want to be professionals. Yeah. And we talk about uh, embracing digital a lot, right? So Mm -hmm. we talk about how that's, that's a dual edged sword where the traditional format of, having a scout come to a show yeah. isn't there for the record label, Definitely right? Not. You have to prove yourself to sell these digital units, these CDs that you're spending your money on, all that. Are you embracing as much as you can digitally yeah. for your studio? Of, too? of course. Otherwise I die. Was adapt or die, right? You have to do that. You know, I hate the new business. I, I hate everything about the new world of music. <laughs> but the bottom line is I have to embrace it. I can't be that dinosaur that closes the shop because I didn't embrace it. And I actually, with some of my own albums, you know, after they, you know, 
come off contract. Like maybe I'll sign to a record label for two mm-hmm. or three years or whatever. They hold the rights to it after that. You know what I do? I throw it up online for free. People say, what are you doing, man? You're giving your music away for free. Hey, that's fine. It's getting out to the world. You know what I mean? And I have a, a donate tab and all this other stuff. And so, you know, but that's not the only way to make music. If you're, if you're, if you're trying to only sell music and make your living that way, you're going to be in for a world of hurt, you know? Right. So what about your merchandising? What about your shows? What about your tours? What about all these things, these other avenues you can make money from, you know? Um, I'm doing a project right now. It's a it's a super professional project. I mean, every song is probably would have cost two, three, four thousand mm-hmm. dollars to do it. And my end game for that is just to market it for shows, film, television, this kind of things. You know what I mean? So it's like there's so many avenues that you could take to make money if you're just like taking that one avenue of I'm gonna sell on iTunes. You're not gonna be you're not gonna yeah. be making a living off of that. Yeah, and I, I think that the digital world has opened up so much to us. The fact that you can individually submit a song to hopefully get consideration on a commercial yeah. or or whatever, right? And you're not just having, you know, you have people that write jingles for a living. You mm-hmm. also have people that now that it's a, a more open market, they're able to get into a lot of that stuff um, in there already. Yeah, and it's it it's it's a completely open world. And the caveat to that is that you have to prove yourself a little bit more. To really, it, right? yeah, no matter what, you always have to prove yourself. And it's still tough. Let's be realistic. Just because you submit a song doesn't mean it's gonna anything's going to happen with it. And there's still hundreds and thousands of bands they've got to even weed through for themselves. It's hard to get a song accepted into a song bank for that kind of stuff. Because not only they don't know us as artists or whatever, but they're used to using those same 25, 25 30 guys that have been doing it forever. So it's still we're still trying to break into a market, whether it's live music or selling out albums or getting your you know album on a uh, uh, or getting your song on a tv show or something like that i'm just saying you have to be open to all avenues you know selling on itunes isn't going to do much for you especially if you're an unknown band you're going to get a, a couple dollars every now and then you know right and uh you just you just got to do more than that in today's age and i like i said i don't even like this digital age but it is what it is it's something where you just have to embrace it you know yeah and just as long as you're conscious of it and you're still open to learning i think that's the biggest thing and having that maturity level to recognize the fact that i want to be around for a long time right i want to be able to produce music i want to be able to have a business that i'm comfortable being in that i want to be able to support my family all the way through this is the way that i need to do it which is you know have an open ear open eye to what is happening around you yeah if you want to make if you want to make a living doing music you really have to to you know widen your horizons i mean like i've talked about a little bit the cover bands out there they're making 100 bucks a week that's you're never going to make a living doing that maybe you play in a like you mentioned there's a, a guy that you mentioned plays in a cover band but he also plays in an original band and he yeah, also does this steve from shallow <laughs> yeah that we that's the way about, you yeah. do it if you want to make a living you gotta you gotta broaden out a little bit you know i mean even me like I'll make money off my, uh, you know, my metal band, then I'll make money off my studio, and then I'm trying to shop to, uh, uh, you know, film and television, then I'm producing other people. It's like, you can't just have one avenue in today's world, because all that money that was there is gone. Right. You know, before right. you were getting, oh, we get 50 grand to make a record, 100 grand, that wasn't unheard of at all, even for an up-and-coming band. Now you get nothing. You better go make it yourself and, and hope that it's good enough to be considered to be even signed by a record label so that, you know, you can take that next step, you know? Yeah, that and that's just crazy because everything's opened up so much, but it's still just as hard, if not harder, to to get because you look at... It's the, harder, man. It's yeah. Hard. Well, and, and another cool thing is, like, a long time ago, 
bands, you know, the bands that actually rose up through the ranks and got the record deals, they were good bands, you know. We didn't have to weed through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other crappy bands that recorded at the house. I'm all about this. Look, the fact that we can sit here right now and record a podcast with a little computer and two microphones is amazing to me. It's yeah. good. It's good and bad because now every band has access to make that crappy demo. You know what I mean? And now the record labels would have to weed through a thousand other things. When even when you're shopping for new music yourself, you know, you have like little twenty dollar home recordings and twenty thousand dollar real recordings. It's so hard to get that. And you know, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but like the days of like you know the the label stepping into your show mm-hmm. and saying we like you, we're going to give you a development deal. Here's thirty grand to go cut a demo just to see if we like you, you know. And then if we're going to give you a hundred and fifty grand to make this next record, if we like you, there's no such thing as that anymore. You have to be selling ten, twenty, thirty thousand units on your own before you're even looked at for a three sixty deal. Yeah, because as the the talent pool has opened up dramatically, right? the the record label pool has decreased yeah, there's no money no right. money there so they have to be a lot safer they have to look at the people That's that are right. already doing it and and the, even though you said the talent pool has opened up i'm with you it has opened up you, you're able to hear a lot of artists that you you may not have heard before but in opening up that world man there's also a lot of crap yeah like i mean a lot yeah. of people that are disillusioned that they're they're doing something that's right, you know, and we've talked about it already. There's a lot of talent around here, so I'm not downing or bashing anyone, but I can tell you, man, I see some people that come in the studio that it's like, you ever, you ever watch those old American Idol episodes where these people come in and they sing and it's just like <laughs> awful and the whole world's sitting there going, it's awful. And the person is right. like, well, this is pretty good stuff. I can't believe you don't like it. I see that every week, right. you know, and I'm sitting here going, so like, and how many more of these people are at home? Because they're not willing to invest money in themselves and, and recording on their laptop and this, and that's flooding the market. Now we got to weed through all that. Yeah. You know? And then the vice versa to that is you're seeing talented people coming oh, here. Lots of talented people. Yeah. Lots of talented that will never get released, whether it's because they don't feel as confident as they should, right? Or they just don't know what to do next, yeah. or it just kind of goes into the ether, and it's just a, yeah. a project that they worked on that they're happy to hear it by themselves or whatever. Right. I mean, I've watched so many t- super talented people come and make a record, and then they leave here, and not a breath is ever, you know, nothing's ever spoken about it ever again. I'm thinking, man, what happened to that artist? He was so good. Like, maybe they didn't know how to market themselves. Maybe they didn't want to take that next step. Like you said, maybe they didn't even care. Maybe it was just something they wanted to do. But it's like, you have to you have to really push forward in today's world. And you, like we talked about, making that album is only the first step or that single or that song. And that's another good thing you can do. You can always make a single, you know? And um, I'm not about like just making a single release and making a single release and making it like we talked about, but mm-hmm. you should make a single and then market that single. Right. Because, you know, th- I always feel like the days of albums are over as well like you know yeah everything's on demand you want to listen to whatever you find that you like attention spans are gone you know you got a three and a half minute song done and they're gonna listen to it for a month and they're moving on to the next artist you know yeah and that's that's even um we mentioned this where your record labels are doing kind of the same thing oh yeah absolutely so they they hit you hard so you you've released uh Five albums. Look, I've had nine right. albums total. Gotcha. Um, okay. Probably over half of those have been on record labels. Right. Actually, probably seventy-five percent of them have been on record labels, and uh, you know, good deals. I've had re- better deals, worse deals, or whatever. But it's like one of those things. Yeah, you're just like the next up in the queue. It's like, okay, we're promoting your album this month and next month, and then boom, 
nothing after that, you know? And uh, that's why we were talking about staggering deals. Like you said, I try to, I try to market myself so that I have a deal for Asia. I have a deal for North America. I have a deal for Europe. And I try to stagger those releases because I still like to make albums. I, I don't do right. singles, you know? Right. So uh, I'll, I'll try to, you know, release in, like, for instance, I, I released an album. Well, I didn't release it, but a record label in Europe released the album in May. Mm-hmm. And now I'm shooting for an American, North, North American label to release it in January or February. And then I've also got a deal that may or may happen in Asia. And then I'm going to push that for the middle of next year so that I'm going to get a year and a half out of this album as opposed to two months. Right. You know, and uh, it's just one of them things where that the re- you can't even blame the record labels for doing it because they constantly have to have a turnover rate to make any money at all. Yeah, they can't sit on a band for you know a month and a half when half the world's heard of it, and then they're moving on to the next band. You yeah, know? and it's it's also such a bigger global picture for you Definitely. too. Is you know you you started off mostly in your your garage, yeah, that's right? right, man? That's right. And just trying to get your local following, and now you're looking at the bigger picture globally and how that stuff needs to be marketed correctly how it needs to be talked about it's all business you know right it's all it's all business for you which is insane to me because i never would have thought about that stuff either yeah it's hard to get record labels to agree to doing multiple deals too so one thing i'll do is i'll say okay this record label you can release the vinyl and the digipack and then i'll go to the north american label and say you can release the jewel case and then I'll go to the North Amer- uh, the Asian label and say, you can release in this platform and this platform. So I'll try to give some sort, some sense of exclusivity to the label. Okay. So they ha- they control like all the vinyls. And this guy controls all the digipacks. This guy controls all the CDs. So that the people that want the vinyls will still have to get it from this guy. The people that want the CDs have to get it from this guy. So nobody's really like super losing out on anything. And to be quite honest with you, I sell like a pretty good amount of records at this point. I would do it myself personally, like, but here's the problem. And this is just more business stuff that's probably boring mm-hmm. to a lot of people. But about five or six years ago, the U.S. Postal Service started charging about $12 to ship one CD internationally, where it used to be four to five. And you could charge $5 shipping and make money off your album. That's a huge increase. Now you have to charge $22 for an album who is paying $22 for a, a CD in this day and age? They're not even selling CDs to begin with. Right, right? when they can so, just stream it on Spotify. That's right, man. Jump yeah. on YouTube, stream it on Spotify, do whatever they need to do. So um, I, w- I would do it myself, but I, I can't charge people $22 for, a, for an album. You know, it's just impossible. So the U.S. Postal Service made my business model obsolete. I don't, hmm. don't want to be on a regular label, but I just have to be at this point, you know? So, and, you know, obviously they have reach that I don't have, which is, which is cool. You know, they do super limited, crazy packagings and (laughs) things like that. But, you know, uh, that's what we talked about a long, a while ago. It's like you you're, by the time you get to the point where a record label is ready to look at you, you can almost make a living on your own. And do it yourself. If you're selling 10, if you're selling, you know, even whether it be digitally an album for $5 or a, a, a CD for $10 or whatever it is, you turn around and, you know, you're selling 10,000 units, you're making fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. Right. Even split four ways, you're talking about $25,000 a year. Throw some merch in there, you might be bumping up to 40000 a year. It's like, okay, that's definitely... It's not a lot of money, but it's it's livable for a yeah. little while if you don't have a family and things like that, at least until you can elevate your band to the next status to where mm-hmm. everybody's making 60, 70 grand a year, you know? So it's almost like that double-edged sword. Do you sign when you're on the verge of making money yourself, or do you just say, you know what, uh, 
to hell with this. We're going to sign with the label and let them take it all from this point, you know? Right. I mean, if you're, if you if you feel like, uh, if you feel like you can, you know, break some barriers down and be a very successful band, it's probably always better to sign because, hey, I mean, let's face it, uh, uh, 10% of a million dollars is better than nothing. Right, you right. Know, if you are, or even if you're selling <laughs> 5,000 units, these people think that, um, you know, they're everybody's taking bad deals. And they are, man. There's only such thing as bad deals now. But I'm telling you, man, a little piece of a million dollars is better than nothing. Right. You know? Right. And then just having the maturity level to have someone else look at it for you. We, we talked about... Um, as a studio and the ability that you have to where versus isolating yourself at home and listening to the same demo over and over again, right? you're able to put your expertise in there, put your, um, your lineage in there as far as how long you've been doing it, right? Your experience, the whole nine, and then hopefully impart that onto the the people that are coming into your studio and, and try to help them out. And just as long as they have the open eyes and ears, perfect. See, the problem is, like you said, you do these demos at your house. You're the sole writer and the sole recorder for a year, two years, five years, whatever it is. And you get in these ruts and you start to do things the same way constantly. Everything you do starts to sound the same, sound the same. And then you develop what's called demo-itis. I literally have a guy coming in here today. Everything we're doing is like the demo he made. It's like, okay, well, you've already made this record, and everything I try to impart on his project, he's like, okay, maybe, man, kind of not used to hearing it that way. It's like, well, you know, like I'm not like the be all end all by any stretch, but I made thousands of records. You know what right, I mean? So, right. like at this point, if I say, hey, we may want to consider this. Maybe we should consider it as opposed to just saying, well, this is the way I did it at my house, you know, and a lot of people get that mentality. This is the way I did it at my house. This is the way I did it at my house. But guess what? You haven't done anything. You haven't sold any records. You don't have a record deal. You haven't done anything. So maybe you might want to be more open to listen to someone that has had record deals or makes their living doing music. Or And I'm not saying every idea that I have or any studio owner has is the best idea in the world. If it sucks, tell me it sucks. We move on to the next idea, you know. But to just shut it down because you've only done it a certain way your whole life is not very wise. You There's know? a reason why you're coming to a studio That's and right. having that experience and not just doing it at home and releasing it from your couch. Basically. I tell people that all the time. Why are you here? Right. Like you're here because you want to make it better and you're in the you know vicinity of someone that can help you make it better. And it's like these people, like sometimes they'll come in and they'll say, Well, that's not the way I make this well, okay, well, you know. If this is if you don't want to try it this way, then maybe you should have just stayed at the house and made a record, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that that way was better. I'm just saying let's try it at least, you know. Yeah, I, that's important for everything, all aspects of your life, because especially especially with business. But if you're not able to think outside of the box, right. you're if you're not able to embrace digital, like what we were talking about, if you're not able to do any of that. You're going to go the way that Radio Shack is. They're That's not a right, thing man. anymore. That's right. You know, you have in our area, we have live music venues that have crumbled in the past three or four years. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere really to play. There's some bastion of hope here and there, but it's it's not the original music outlet that people need. Mm-mm. And that's where you get that that kind of cover bands where that's what the people Ooh. want. But also we have nowhere to play. So yeah, it's, it's it's all it's all like two two sides to that story. Like I, I just think our community is not that good as far as like music. Um, right. you know, you got people that like 
first of all, just the general people, okay? They don't have a sense of passion for art and music and things like that. Like we said, they just want to go sit in this bar, have a drink, and hear that Taylor Swift song play in the background and a bad version of it at that because the <laughs> band playing is not as good as Taylor Swift or right. a Taylor Swift's band. You know what I mean? Right. But guess what? That band probably can play their own music pretty damn well. So it's like we, we have a community where people, A, don't want to hear it. The other side of that is bands are willing to play cover songs because that's the only way they can play out. And it's like, you know, uh, like we said, they play for three hours at a time. Who plays for three hours for, for a hundred bucks? You know, you, we said like, they got to, they got to pack their equipment up. They got to drive to the venue. They got to unpack. It's going it. to be almost six, eight hours yeah, right there. Do yeah. sound check, play the three hours, break down, drive back home, unload the equipment. It's like, uh, you just spent eight hours for a hundred dollars. Like, you know, <laughs> and I wish that um, bands would actually realize that too, rather than just, it's almost like that young, excited kid that got that first record deal thrown at him and he's signing it no matter what. Right. It's like, Hey guys, we'll pay you a couple hundred bucks to come do this for three hours even though it's going to be really eight and bands are all over it because they just want to play rock star for a night and be on that stage in front of the eight people right. who are drinking in the club you know and i wish that they would kind of like kind of like band together and just say hey man we're gonna we're gonna try to do this a different way a different model let's let, let's go on strike man let's say <laughs> all these bands we're not playing for a hundred bucks for three hours you know we want a thousand dollars for three hours right, and, right. and the club owners are looking at them going well you 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 can't bring anybody in. Why would we pay you that? And I don't know if it's just too far gone to even worry about anymore. All I know is other communities are not like this. When I lived right. in Atlanta, or, you know, there's many communities like this. Even even places like Tampa, Florida, where I was at for a while, like it just says it doesn't work like this. People actually care about hearing bands, you know. Mm. I mean, how are we ever discover the next awesome band if everybody's just playing covers all the time? You right. know, right. You know, yeah, it's it's a real thing. And then, you know, you have the people that oversaturate their market a little bit. And then you have the people that we were talking about where they're not thinking full scope on everything. Right. right? So when we look at your studio where you're able to, again, keep your eyes open, your ears open for that next thing that you need to add to your repertoire. It's the same thing with a lot of the bands. They need to keep their eyes up and broaden, like what you said, broaden your horizons. Yeah. Understand that there's so many different ways to make money if you want to play music and then also treat it a little bit more serious than what you might be. There's that way you don't have to give that up and have a, a job that you actually like doing. You have to, man, you have to go all in with your music. You know, just like I said earlier, if you're not willing to invest everything into yourself, no one else is going to. You know, you can't play for the hour a day and call it uh, your professional. You know, you got guys like, like, uh, like we talked about, like Sam Grove, giving everything into it. You know, he's just now reaching a point after 10 years where he's finally going to start making a little cash. And, you know, I mean, you know, he's always made his living that way, but now he signed a record deal. Now he's going to probably, hopefully, like lift up a little bit and elevate. Yeah. And then you got bands like, um, even though they haven't reached that level yet, but there's a local band around here called like Unlikely Hero. I don't know if you ever heard mm -hmm. of them or whatever. Like those guys packed everything up, booked their own tour, left, and just do it. You know, they all work jobs to where it's like, they don't, they're not comfortable enough to where they can't just up and leave if they have to, you know? And I'm not saying like the Sam Grows are unlikely here. I'm not saying they're the best bands, the worst bands. I'm just saying sometimes if you just outwork everyone else, you're successful. Yeah. Just outwork everyone else, yeah. you know? That's what it comes down to. Or do you want to be that guy 
who goes and gets his little nine to five, making a hundred grand a year. And when that time comes where you have to leave to go tour, to go do something, to invest in yourself and time, I can't really step away from this job. It's I'm too comfortable at this point. And I'll tell you a story, man. I never got too comfortable in my life to risk mm-hmm. it all to open a studio. Like I took jobs when I was young. I didn't really work that many jobs, but I took jobs I didn't care about. You know what I mean? So then when it came time to leave, I'm just leaving. Right. You know, right. if I want to play a show and the job tells me you're not playing a show, I'm saying, you know what? I am playing a show. I don't care about this <laughs> job, you know? So I, I, I didn't, I never let myself get too comfortable in life to where it's like, okay, I'm going to take every penny in my account and invest it in the studio. And if it fails, you know what? So what? I'll go back to those crappy jobs and I'll resave and I'll try it as something else again. You know, you have to be willing to risk everything. And my advice is don't have those families early and get locked into those jobs and things like that, because then you're just going to be that guy that plays covers on the weekends for a hundred bucks, which is fine. As long as you know, that's what you're doing. Right. You know, you're just that you're, you're the weekend rock star, I call it, you know, and that's cool, man. You know, I, I, I can't do that personally, but, um, uh, hey man, I see some of these guys out there playing their covers and they look like they're having a blast and that's perfect, you know, but man, some of those same guys that are playing covers and their covers sound just, uh, <laughs> some of those same people, I'll hear them just kind of like playing some of their own stuff. I'm like, man, that's so good. Right. Like, right. why aren't you doing that? <laughs> like, right. You know? Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it's, it's turned around a little bit to where they're able to get more of their original music into their cover sets or vice versa. And it's it's just a stance that you have to be able to to take to where I want this music out. Like I'm I'm making my own music right and it deserves to be spotlighted just like the people that I'm playing. And if all those bands negotiated that into their like live you know mm-hmm. when they were playing live, hey let, let me get for every five covers I play, let me throw an original in there. You know what I mean? But too many bands are just accepting of whatever the club owners say, you know? If every single band said, Look, you're gonna let us play a cover or two and and every club owner said no and everybody said, Well we're not playing Guess what? The ba- the cover the clubs wouldn't have no bands, like right, you know. Right. And then okay, maybe we can play a cover, and maybe they're a little more lenient and say, you know what? Come on, you could play you could play with some of your own music. That's fine, you know. Yeah. But everybody's got to do something about it, man. I'm not <laughs> saying it's that easy, but I'm just saying like you know we you got to at least care to get your live music in there, you know. Yeah, and you're you're pretty strong in the community as long as I've been a part of music. Your name, as far as nice guy, has been around. And you're also giving back a little bit through CSM yeah, as, yeah. as far as the, the audio engineering program and being able to get more people yeah, that's into been, this, right? That's been really cool. Um, many years ago, we used to do a, we used to do a 16-week credited program, okay? okay? It was amazing. Something happened where the chair of the, you know, the chair of the arts department, he got fired or quit or something like that. The next chair came in, he didn't continue. So right, right. now, at this current time, we're doing, you know, we do... Um, we do workshops through okay. CSM. We, okay. uh, we do like nine a year. We do uh, live sound. We do recording. And we do Pro Tools. So, you know, once every, you know, four months, maybe five, you know, actually, we probably, we might do it. Yeah, I think it's about three times a year. So we'll just run these these workshops. You know, they're 12-hour workshops. And, man, you see some talented people come through here, you yeah. know. We've actually picked up a couple of our interns through the classes and things like that. We've seen some really good people come through. And, uh yeah, man, there, there's some kids coming up that are pretty good. And then, of course, you got your kids that are just coming in to do something because mom told them they had to right. get off the couch, right. you know. And, and um, you know, you got a lot of kids coming in that they're 
under false impressions, hey, we thought this was a beat making class, you know, or something like that. It's like, no, this is a real recording class. This is we're going to learn about real recording and real aspects of recording and things like that. It's not just making beats, you know. Yeah. So it's been a, it's good. I mean, CSM's awesome. They've been really awesome with me for the last. You did know, you 10 approach years. them or did they approach you originally? You know, uh, we haven't really talked about um, how the studio came to be, but. Uh, I was in business or partnership with a guy named Gene a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Gene Quaid is bass player Sam Grow right now. And uh, he started to get that ball rolling a long time ago. And it's just one of those things where I bought out his studio, his his part of the studio, and it just kept rolling and getting better and better and better. And now it's just like, you know, I can't even remember the first person we've ever talked to to even get this thing going, you know. <laughs> but I can tell you right now, there's a lady named Shonda there. She's really amazing, and she sets everything up now. So I, I kind of credit Gene Quaid with getting that ball rolling to begin with. Gotcha, okay. You know, because he sort of set it all up, and then he's like, you know, just sort of kind of turned into what it is now. Yeah, and that I think that's amazing because if you aren't giving back to the community that you're a part of, then you're doing not only you're doing yourself a disservice, you're doing the community a disservice, and you're not able to have those people grow in your own backyard. Um, one of the things that I noticed because I I did concerts about a decade ago, mm -hmm. right? And for the first time, I saw a lot of the local people play again in January of this year, just about. Right. But it was the same core of people, yep, yep, yep. and it's the same people that are playing it just nine years later, right? And there's there's not a huge opportunity for the younger generations to come up. No, man. I think that's a, a great starting place, at least, to get people more exposed to all sides of the music industry. I mean, it's just like this whole industry and this whole music thing is almost like... The, the infrastructure of America, like if you educate the kids and you get them going, we're all going to be better for ourselves. You know what I mean? It's right. like so we we bring these young kids in here, we train them, we do them, we uh, you know we we show them everything they need to know. We hide no secrets. You know we don't keep our tricks and things to ourselves. Right. So we kind of let them just kind of learn and and adapt and grow. And it's one of them things we talked about earlier. When when somebody does good, everyone benefits. You know, if you have a band that gets signed from Waldorf, then guess what? People are looking to Waldorf for the next yeah. best thing. Yeah. If, if you know, uh, there's a studio down in Atlanta, they cut a record uh, for a band called Cartel, and it's like that Cartel record skyrocketed in that studio, and he got booked for two years in advance. You know, it's like if one person does well, it helps everybody in some way or another, you know? And uh, people don't seem to understand that. It's, everything's like a competition around here, but it shouldn't be. Everyone should be helping each other because when one person goes, everyone at least gets a little piece of that. It's like a downhill snowball effect. Definitely. Everybody catches a little bit of that, you know? Definitely. I want to see every single band that comes in here go platinum. Like, that would be the best <laughs> thing in the world for me just because it's going to help me. It's going to help those other five studios around the way. It's going to help the rest of the bands around here. And it's just going to be more of everything for everybody. You know? Yeah, what do, you, what do you think has been your biggest piece of success here that has helped you sustain? Because you've been in this location for about 15 yeah, years, 15 right? Years, yep, yep. And then before that, you were part of another yeah, studio? It was uh, called IQ Studios, and that was in mm -hmm. Clinton. And I basically just worked there. So I was lucky enough to stumble into a job there based off of some recording that I had done prior. And they just happened to be looking for another engineer. And I brought my project in there, and they were just like, yeah, did you do this? I was like, yeah. And then, you know, a week later, I had a job working <laughs> there. You know, it was pretty pretty. It was pretty good, actually. But before that, I tried to, you know, intern at other places in Atlanta and doing this and mm -hmm. doing that. So it's like always, it was music always, you know. But, um, I mean, just 
you know what I think it is, man, what keeps me in business is two or three little things, man. And you're just going to think, well, that's pretty boring. Right. But honestly, it's the truth. A, be professional. I'm on time to every session, okay? I, I'm showing up. I'm giving my effort all the time. I'm not leaving until the band's ready to leave. If we're on a roll, we're on a roll. I'm not, right. you know, I'm not cutting you off unless there's another session coming in, obviously, you know. So calling people back. Just being professional, you know? I mean, I get so many people that come in here and say, well, we're here because you called us back. Maybe I called them back first. Maybe the other studio didn't call them back at all. Um, but just being professional. Can you go to your job every day and re and maintain that job if you were late every day? No. No? I got people coming and saying, man, the last studio we went, they had 25 people in there. They were all smoking weed, and the guy showed up late, and he didn't call us back. And it's like, how are you going to be a successful business if you're operating that way? Right. You can't. Okay, so that's important. A, just be professional. Two, be real with people. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes I'll turn down jobs. People get mad at me, you know? Like, hey, I've only got uh, 500 bucks and I want to make a seven-song demo. I'm not the person for you. It's that <laughs> simple. Be mad at me if you want to. Be Whatever. I'm right. going to send you down the way because I don't want your name and my name to be on the same project if it's not willing to be something reasonably good. Especially if you're trying to do all of that at a truncated amount of time. That's right, man. You can't, you can't just slam it all in there and call it a day and it, lower the number of songs you're doing. Maybe do one song instead of five. If, if you only got a certain amount of money, let's make a banging song and you know put it on the market and people are going to love it and say that studio is awesome that band is awesome you know so i'll try to you know kind of guide people in in budgets and things like that and i'll turn down work if i have to because sometimes you got to lose money to make money i right. know that sounds weird but sometimes you got to right you know so um i'll just be real with people but third man like i honestly do give my effort to everybody you know i don't care if it's a genre that i hate a band that's not that good or the best band all of them get my same effort, you know. I'm gonna make sure that whatever I can do to make that project the best it can be is 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 what I'm gonna do, and I think people get that, man. They feel it, you know. Like yeah. they they understand it. Like this guy is really trying to help us, you know. He's not just in here like a monkey hitting the record button. Anybody can hit a record right, button, you right. know. It, that's but I'm trying to say let's let's make this the best it can be in your budget. So I actually give a crap about what I do. You know, yeah. just like you used to, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to bring up earlier or whatever, but you said earlier, like sometimes, man, you're really into your podcast. You're like really engaged, you know, and uh, sometimes like, you know, you're not into it, but you still, you still make the podcast the best yeah. you can make it. You know, yep. it's the same with me. Sometimes I'm listening to, you know, trap rap. I'm not into trap rap, but you know what? I'm going to make a, the best trap rap song I can make for that budget and that time that I'm allowed, you know, and they get that, you know, they feel it. I like it's, it's a feed. They feed off me. I feed off them. And by the time everybody leaves, hopefully everything's good and everybody's happy. Yeah. It's all about that chemistry, right? So one of the things that I've talked to other studios about and other musicians about is finding that person that works for you too, because not every studio that you go to just because of notoriety or the name, like, oh yeah, my favorite artist went there. Yeah. I need to go there. That's right. Find what works for you. Build a relationship with yes. someone. You know? Because it, it changes the atmosphere if someone cares about you. That's right, man. So if someone just tiny sliver of, of the fact that this is more than just an hour's work or this is more than just a paycheck, right. that opens up the whole project, I feel like, right? The reason I do this is because I enjoy it, first of all. Like, you know right. what I mean? So my worst day is better 
than most people's best day <laughs> at work, you know? Because at least, even if I'm not into a genre, I'm getting to hear music. And yeah. nine times out of ten, it's it's original music, first of all. That, that makes yeah. it amazing, you know what I mean? I'm not listening to cover songs. So it's like, I sit in here some days, and I'm thinking, man, I don't really like this. But then I think, what else would I be doing? Like, this is the best job <laughs> ever, you know? And then it makes me happy, and then I'm back, I'm right back into it. You know, I'm like, man, let's just make an awesome song, you know? Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, people feed off of that they, it's the relationship you build it's like once you get a client you know you really get that client you're not gonna lose them you know unless they move away or, or right, right. you know just want to try something else for the sake, or maybe they get a phenomenal deal with another reputable place or something right. you know and um so i try to retain clients you know it's like I'll, I'll i'll do what i have to do to retain clients and then honestly most of the time it's, it's an, i don't have to do nothing it's just we got a great relationship you know yeah. But I, I like it, man. It's what I do, you know? That's good. good job. <laughs> um, so one, one of the other things that we talked about is how you found out that you needed a little bit of an extra voice in there. Because you were cutting your own records in your garage. Yeah. For my what, first, first two, my first two records I made. Well, actually, my first three records I made in my garage. But by the third one I made in my garage, it sounded pretty good. So it got picked up by a label. But the first one, actually... I take that back. The first one, I went to a real deal producer gotcha, because okay. I thought, okay, I need to get this this off right. the ground right, right you right. know what I mean? And I went to one of the biggest metal producers in the whole world at the time, and I paid a fortune, man, but that got me the notoriety I needed. Then I went back to my house in, you know, back to my, actually my mom's house at that point in Maryland <laughs> in my garage, and I started making records myself. I watched this guy. I studied. You know, I, I interned, and I, I started making records myself. So between that first dem that first demo it was a sort of a demo. It wasn't mm -hmm. an album at that point. And then cutting a couple records, I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. But you know, the whole time I'm writing everything by myself. I'm recording everything by myself. I'm, I'm, and I learned from that first record and I should have had it in my head. Like, man, even this big time, massive producer had another person helping him, you know, and input from this guy and that guy and that yeah. guy. So, you know, I started opening up my band to like, okay, hey, bass player, help me write. You know what I mean? Uh, and I've worked with some phenomenal drummers. And I'm like, drummers, even let me hear what you got. Even though you're a drummer, let me see what's going on over here, you know, and figuring this out and, and doing that. And then, I'm, like I said, I'm even learning from interns sometimes. I, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. really learn everything that I can learn. And I'm at this point, man, seriously, I've been recording for 30 years. Like, that's not a joke. Right. 30 years. I'm still learning. So yeah, for, that which is insane. Yeah. So for these kids that think they got it all figured out like right off the bat, you don't. You know, you don't. You're gonna learn every single day of your life. And I try to bring writers in. I just wrapped up a project. It's like a, a pop rock project. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was um, it was just myself and one girl, mm -hmm. and we wrote everything. You know, and 14 songs later, I mean, we, we got some good stuff, no doubt. Like there's really good stuff there. But at some point, it was like, okay, we also need to bring in someone else now maybe a new voice maybe a new writer maybe this that or the other you know because even on a project like that that spanned a couple years you you re, you know you you exert like everything that you have and you you're out you're out of ideas you know right. i'm working on a song right now man i'm, I'm actually looking for a, a co-writer for it you know and i'm um, starting round two of this project <laughs> you know and i'm gonna try to bring in some different writers and some different voices and you know i'll always be like the main guy that gets it going off the ground but i'm not too prideful to say now help me right you know how do you bridge that gap between the people that come into the studio that are a little bit closed off yeah it's are tough you... man it's really tough like sometimes they just don't want to have anything to do with any ideas or any 
anything else. It's just like just like I said, the way they did it is the way they want it. Right. And rather than get involved in some, you know, issue where they may get a bad vibe from the studio, at that point I just kind of like throw, you know, take throw my hands up and say, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to make this record the best I can for you. And we're going to do it your way. And as long as that way is reasonable, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, I've, I've only quit maybe one project or maybe two my whole life, you know, like midway through where I was just done with it, you know? Right. So at that point, I just try to make the best that I can do with what they want to happen. You know, even might not be the best, but you know, I still try to do it. And I, I don't try to ever force my hand on anyone's project or force my production on anyone's project. And sometimes you just got to let them do what they do. You know, what do you think you have learned the most from your recording or playing your music or putting out the album that has translated to your personal life the best? Mm, That's a good question, man. You know, um, probably just simple relationships you know it's like uh i tell a lot of kids that come in here if you if you if you're not outgoing and you can't deal with people in general Mm -hmm. this is not a good product for you before i used to be very like uh you know closed off and hard-headed and things like that but you know you have to like relate to people Okay, like you have to kind of understand them and listen to them and and not be all about your way and you know you kind of got to have a dialogue and a respect for everyone that comes in and you know you that goes out to regular life too you know right. it, just your life is going to be better because of it you know just understanding and listening to someone you know what 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 are you after how can we help you what are we doing let's go back and forth let's you hear my stuff i'll hear your stuff and and uh it's almost like sometimes man you gotta be like a, a psychiatrist or something you know <laughs> because people get in here and they break down you know and yeah i've seen people cry man and break down and i've seen people have fist fights in the studio and i've seen people just get angry and run out the building and it's like dealing with people in general this has helped me just deal with people in general because i don't have a regular job i don't have to go to nine to five i don't have to put on my suit and deal with the world every day you know what i mean so being in here Dealing with people really helps me outside of here because I'm kind of secluded. I'm kind of secluded in the studio every single day, you know? I'm not out at the movies or the football game or whatever the heck else is going on in the world. I'm in here every day, you know? So me being secluded and and trying to figure out people's mentality in here, it helps me in the real world, you know? Yeah, you're a little bit more malleable, a little bit flexible. I think one of the biggest things is able to shut up for a second. And listen that's to right. other people, right? That's that's got to be one of the biggest lessons that I think anybody could could take from that is quiet down for a second, mm-hmm. ask, or just let them talk because everybody has an idea, and I think that's one of the things for both of us that we like to talk a lot. <laughs> that's the whole reason why I'm doing this, right? We like to talk a lot. That's, I know I do, man. <laughs> so if if you're able to, you know, dial back for a second and Get that feedback, which is the most important. Get that feedback. Let someone else get their eyes on it. Hear something outside of the box to to make your life better. Yeah, you know I'm, that's that's huge. I'm not cutting my album. I'm cutting their album. 
you know? So even if I have ideas to make it better, man, you're right. You do have to shut up and you have to say, tell me about what you want to happen with this. What, how do you envision this project ending up? You know, what do you see going on with this? There's a, uh, I'm not, I'll I'll never name names or whatever, but there's a another studio locally around here. And I've had so many bands come in here and tell me this guy will just literally take over their CD. He'll pick up the guitar. He'll play all the guitar parts. He'll say, we need a lead here. And he'll just play a lead and do this stuff. It's like, how are you going to do that to somebody else's record? That's, that's not your record. It's their record. Now, if somebody asked you, Hey, do you mind playing a lick here or there? Would you throw a lead in here? Would you show us something? That's a whole nother story, you know? Or maybe you do take the guitar and say, hey, check this line out. What do you think of this? You don't just grab a guitar and start recording on somebody's record. Like, that's that's crazy, man. <laughs> and that's true. Like, I'm not kidding you, man. I've had that's about, insane. I've had at least 10 bands tell me that this one particular spot, that's what happens. That's crazy. And I've redone, like, all those records, too. <laughs> it is crazy, man. Uh, for you, what is... We you talked about going in and listening to other genres, right? Because mm-hmm. you you deal with so much stuff. You even record podcasts here yep. on your own stuff, which is insane to me too. But that's that's a whole other um, thought for that. But what have you maybe experienced when you're re- recording those different styles of music that have impacted you musically or yeah. maybe bring to other projects that you work on? It's funny, man. You do have to listen to all genres. Okay, if you're going to work in a commercial facility, you better have a little bit of insight on everything that's going on in the world. I hate trap rap, but you know what? I got to listen to it a little bit to <laughs> understand what they want when they come in here and they do it, you know? Right. So if, I, if I'm going to lose the whole rap community if I don't know a little bit about it, if I don't know a little bit about gospel music or rock music or pop music or any genre for that matter, sometimes I'm listening to stuff just to kind of see what it should sound like you know but the cool thing is i'll be recording like a uh i was recording like a gospel artist the other day right Mm -hmm. but it was it was kind of like a it's original artist and they had this little breakdown in there i was like man that breakdown would sound really good if it was rock you know (laughs) what i mean so all these little influences creep into your brain in different ways and i think that's why i personally write so much stuff too i mean i write death metal all the time you know what i mean but at the same time i just told you i completed a a pop rock project that's it's it's literally like nickelodeon pop music you know what i mean so i try to take in all these genres and just and they just filter into my brain and and come out in different ways sometimes and i think that's why i mean i you know i like to think i'm a pretty good producer too but that's why i'm able to produce so many different bands across so many different genres because I'm just a music fan, first of all. Right. I like music. You know what I mean? So I, I'll, you know, I'll go to the gym and one day I'll be listening to the most poppy stuff in the world. Then I'm listening <laughs> to death metal and then I'm listening to country and then I'm listening to classical and then I'm listening to oldies. Like, and if you just, if you was on a, a playlist of my iPhone, you'd be like, what the heck is going on here? You know, I record a lot of oldies bands here, man. Oldies. That's great. And I get them because I know oldies. I like yeah. them, you know yeah. what I mean? It's and these these bands come in here and they record me and they say, "Oh man, that's amazing. Like this sounds like what we wanted it to sound like in the 50s, you know?" <laughs> so, it's crazy like you get one band that's like a certain genre and you do well for that, and then all the bands from that genre come. It's pretty cool, man, you know? Yeah, and then that goes back to your professionalism, like your your three ways to yeah. be successful is to be open. That's right. Do your research a little bit, right? Like talk Talk about more stuff, look at more stuff, listen to more stuff, and be open and honest about it and have that be able to 
to impact you directly that's, too, right? That's 100% accurate. And I'm going to tell you one other thing. Like, like uh, Remember we talked about avenues for bands to make yeah. money? You yeah. have to be open all around. I can give this advice to studio guys. If you think you're only going to do one genre, you're going to be in business real short like you know like if you think you're only going to be that rock guy there's only so many rock guys uh rock bands in dc to go around yeah you're not going to get them all because there's 20 other studios vying for that rock band you know so if you're only going to be a hip-hop guy you you know you got a lot of hip-hop around here but guess what there's also a lot of hip-hop studios around here like it's almost like you have to diversify just like you do with your money man you have to put it everywhere you have to put a little hand over here in hip-hop little country little i got a country artist that just literally just called me today before we were coming in Mm -hmm. you know and i'm gonna enjoy the crap out of that record you know it's it's (laughs) it's country it's it's gonna be awesome but at the same time i just wrapped up literally three death metal albums you know last month so it's like it's like i got my hand in a little bit of everywhere and it's why my studio stays busy yeah you know it's not too many down days we have you know because we always have something coming in and do you feel like when you go listen to those projects that you've touched over the years do you feel a sense of pride in there when you recognize what part or how well they're doing or anything definitely man i love hearing that so i'm telling you if if a band is successful when they leave here it's like almost my success with the band you know it's like oh man you guys got radio play you made it up that high on the charts you did this you did that i'm so excited for that because you know it is a piece of me like on a good project or not even on a good project but on any project i feel like there's a little piece of me in there somewhere you know (laughs) and especially if i'm a producer on it right if i'm a producer on it there's a big chunk of me in there which is even more amazing to see uh, some success with something like that you know i love man i I love to hear success like that that's fantastic yeah what do you think keeps you going the most uh to be able to balance out you know your life you you made your your living with music with everything else you did 15 years with with mma that we talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit off mic right how you're you're dedicated your your life to so much other stuff that you have so much stuff going on how do you think that you've been able to stay motivated to balance all that stuff out yeah that's tough man because like not only does the studio take up so much time recording other people's music but then i do my own albums as well and that's a big chunk of time you know I, i spend more time on a song than people spend on an album usually you know what i mean so that's like my my business income that's like my job you know and i enjoy the crap out of my job so that's that's just pleasant to begin with but then my release is hey i'm gonna go to the gym i'm gonna go get punched in the face i'm gonna go to the mma i'm gonna go lift some weights i'm gonna do something like that that's like my hobby right yeah so that's my release but more importantly you know i got a kid too i got a son he's four years old you know so it's like now on top of all that stuff, I've been living my life just like, you know, no kid all this time, you know, and it's like all about whatever I want to do, you know, and now it's like, okay, now I got to balance all that with giving time to my son too. So it's like three things now between, you know, staying in shape and, and recording and my own music and other people's music and now balancing it with my, my kids, you know, my kid life. And it's, it's, yeah. it is tricky, man. It's real tricky, you know? So I don't, here's one thing I do. I don't have any musical equipment or recording equipment at my house. That would probably eat up all your time. If That's it was crucial, there. right? Yeah, like because yeah. as soon as I, it's funny, man. Before I even came here today, my kid was like, "Dad, let me play guitar." So he has a little <laughs> mini guitar, right? And oh, okay. he, has a co- he has a couple mini guitars actually. He has, he has everything, <laughs> but like, uh, of course, as he should. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put it around <laughs> him, man. You know, to if if you want him to kind of get into that, you gotta put it around him early, yeah, not yeah, force yeah. it. 
but just kind of let him be around it. So I picked up his guitar and I was playing with him. And all of a sudden I noticed I was into my own world playing a kid's guitar. I was like, oh God, <laughs> this is why I don't have a guitar here, you know? So I do have a mini little Pro Tools rig upstairs mm -hmm. just in case a, an idea hits me in the middle of the night or something like mm -hmm. that. But I try to never, ever, ever, sorry, bring my music home with me. Once I, or once your I, work home with yeah, you. That's, once that's I, what it yeah, is, right? Yeah, yeah, because even my own personal stuff is work. You know, I treat, yeah. it, I treat it as such. I treat it as a professional work. So even though I'm enjoying making my own music, um, I still treat it as it's a professional, you know, it, it takes hours and hours and hours. I think when I make a single man, it probably has 100 hours worth of time into it. And bands come in and they put a 10 hours into a single and think right. it's a lot of work. You know, right. my, my singles have 100 hours worth of work, 150 tracks deep. You know, and it's like, so if I bring that home, man, it's just going to be ridiculous. You know, I can't do that, man. When I'm home, I have to be home. Yeah, you have to be present, that's right? That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's the, the whole idea. So being present, whether it's, you know, in that session or yep. whether it's with your kid or or anything, being present is probably the, the biggest part that's for right, you, man. right? That's, that's beautiful. The way you put it is perfect. You have to be present. If it's the session, you be present for the session. You don't think about what's going on at home. If you're at home, you don't think about what's going on at the work at the studio or trying to get that latest song, you know, structured in your head or things like that. So I, the way you put it is perfect. Be present. I love it. All right. <laughs> that's beautiful. That should be it. I think that, cool, I think, man. I think that's a good way to end it. That's yeah. perfect.